Good morning. There I am. It's always me. I'm not even going to ask anymore. It's always me. Mute, unmute. My name's Keegan. If we haven't met, I'm the lead pastor here at our Belton location. Welcome to Vintage Church. And for all of you that already called us home, welcome, Vintage family. I'm excited about today. Listen, I'm going to warn you right up front. How many like warnings right up front? I do. That's why I probably give them. I was a little, I took kind of the more subtle approach at 930, I think, because everybody was still, you know, a little sleepy. Uh, But I think we're going to have to turn it up a couple notches for 11. So y'all good with that? Because what we're talking about today is probably one of my favorite topics. We're going to talk about the person of the Holy Spirit. So get ready, buckle up. But before we get into that, in case you're not in a small group or know about our small groups, we do have small groups uh, throughout Vintage. They're awesome. This is the, probably the best way for you to really get into a relationship with people and start to connect and go a little deeper from even what we're doing on Sundays. And what they typically dive into goes along with our series that we're doing. So being that we're starting a fresh series today, this would be a great time to jump into a small group. If you haven't already, you can go online to vintage.church forward slash small groups, or you can ask one of us out in guest services and we'll be able to help you find a small group. But I really want to encourage you, get in, get to know people. Come on, it's the worst thing we can do to come to church every week and leave and not have met anybody else, right? We're supposed to be family. We're supposed to be community. And the only way that happens is if we get to know one another. So invite somebody to coffee, take somebody to lunch, whatever, but jump into a small group. All right, that's my commercial for you this morning. You might have to nudge your neighbor and say, I think, he's, I think his caffeine's kicking in. Come on, I'm, I'm expecting y'all. You can talk back to me this, this morning, too. We're going to participate this morning. But we are talking about the Holy Spirit. This is probably one of the most exciting things that a pastor gets to talk about is, is helping people understand the person of the Holy Spirit, how he comes into our lives, and he gives us power. The last six weeks, we were talking about run to win and all the six areas of our life that God wants us to be healthy in, to thrive in. But we all know that we cannot live up to all those things that God calls us to and expects of us and the standards and the, and the way that he wants us to live our lives on our own strength. We will all fall short, right? But with the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, we can actually live the life that God has called us to live. It's a great thing. So I really believe over these next three weeks, I want you to lean in. Listen, I know some of us in this room have have grown up with different thoughts about the Holy Spirit. Some of us didn't even know until I just said it that he's actually a person and he's not an it or a force. We're going to talk about that a little bit. But I just want to encourage you, open up your heart and open up your mind. Be open to what God might want to speak to you. Whether, whether you may have to let some stuff go that you've already learned about somebody who told you who the Holy Spirit was or, or, or what he isn't, I just want you to be open to let God speak to you. We're going to go to the Bible and find out what he has to say about who he is. Come on, that's a great place to start. Uh, let's do this. I know some of you, let's take a poll. How many of you, when we start talking about the Holy Spirit, uh, get a little nervous? It's okay. You can raise your hand. That's right. I, we love honesty here. You may, you may be a little concerned, like, is this the part where it's going to go sideways and everything's going to get weird, and people are going to start running around the room and, and rolling over each other and all that kind of stuff? That's a, that's a fair enough concern. I will tell you that's not going to happen this morning, so take a deep breath. You'll be all right. Some of you may be closed off. Maybe you had a bad experience with a, a church or people um, that, that were doing things in the name of the Holy Spirit that, you're, that just... We're not actually of the Holy Spirit, and so it really hurts you, bothered you, and you're completely turned off and closed off to hearing anything about it. You're like, just give me Jesus, and I'm good. That may be you this morning. Or you might be curious. Maybe you genuinely have heard a little bit about the Holy Spirit, but not a whole lot, and you're like, yeah, I might, I might want to know a little more about that. 
Well, we're going to answer those questions. But maybe some of you are here and you're excited. You're like, I have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, and I, I know what that does and how that affects and changes my life and, and empowers me to live this life, and I'm so excited for everybody else to hear about it today. You might be in one of those four places, but this series is going to help you no matter where you're at, and I promise I'm not going to freak you out or weird you out, okay? Uh, our experience informs us, but only God's Word forms us. See, our experiences may inform, of, inform us of some things, so maybe you've been in a church where they were, they were saying, well, we're doing this in the Holy Spirit, you know, and the Holy Spirit is, is leading us to do this, or he made us do this. First of all, the Holy Spirit doesn't make us do things. God has given us a free will for a reason. God's not a bully. He's not dragging us with a, you know, a noose around our neck or a chain around our neck, you know, making us do things in life. That's not how he works. Shepherds don't, don't grab their sheep by the back of the neck and just haul them around the pasture, Right? They lead them. They guide them. They show them the way. They encourage them. That's what the Holy Spirit does in our lives. That's what he does. That's how he operates. But this is the process of sanctification. The enemy will attempt to use our experiences to form our identity. Maybe you're turned off to the Holy Spirit or you're real apprehensive about it because of your past experience. Maybe you went to a church. We're like, this is just a Holy Spirit revival. And people are like going buck nuts. And... <laughs> That's one of my favorite phrases. I, I really don't know where I even got it, but I, it's a go-to. So if you're here, you'll hear it. But people can do all kinds of stuff, right, in the, in, the, in the name of the Holy Spirit, like I said. And so maybe you're just like, eh, I'm just good. Let me just stick with the, you know, Beatitudes and just do my thing. Uh, but you can miss out on, on some aspects of what the Holy Spirit has to offer you in your life. I want to read this, John 16, 7. Nevertheless, I am telling you the truth. Come on, that's a good way to start a sentence. Jesus, this is his words in John chapter 16, verse 7. It is for your benefit. Somebody say, your benefit. That I go away. Because if I don't go away, the counselor or the helper in some translations will not come to you. If I go, I will send him to you. It just reads better when it's coming straight out of my Bible too. I don't know. It's for your benefit. How many of you know Jesus is not here on the earth right now? He's not even in your heart. You're like, well, that's not, that doesn't line up with the songs we sang in kids' church. Now listen, the Holy Spirit is the one who is in your heart. He's the one who's here with you. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. That's what he said. I'm going away, and I'm seated at the right hand of the Father. I'm interceding on your behalf. Jesus is still very present in, in existence, but he's not in the flesh on the earth today, and he's not in our heart in the sense of like physically in our heart in any way. It's the Holy Spirit that has come, that seals the salvation in our heart and is here to walk with us. How, do you, how would Jesus be able to come back? I said this in the first service, if he never went away. How could Jesus come again, riding on a white horse and all those fantastic things that are gonna happen at some point in God's timing? But how could that happen if Jesus was already here, like hanging out in the woods in Wyoming or something? You know, he's not just gonna like... Hey, can I borrow a horse for a minute? It's time for me to go remind everybody I'm still here. No. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. But he said it's better that he goes so that the Holy Spirit could come because the Holy Spirit is everywhere. You know, I don't have to wait. You know, if the Holy Spirit's hanging out with, with Kevin over here, who's one of our elders, it's probably good that he hangs out with Kevin. But if he's hanging out with Kevin, I don't have to sit and wait till it's my turn to like engage with the Holy Spirit, right? But if Jesus was here and he was over there in a conversation with Kevin, how many know I'd have to wait 
until it was my turn for me to physically be able to talk to him. And so it's for our benefit because now God is with all of us. God Emmanuel is with all of us at the same time if we'll be willing to spend time with him. So we're going to talk about this today. It would be pretty incredible, though. Imagine if you're one of the disciples and Jesus is like, He's been hanging out with you. You've been walking with him for three years. You've been seeing him do miracles and healing people, casting out demons. You're like, man, I'm rolling with this guy for life. And then all of a sudden he says, yeah, I'm I'm going away. And it's going to be better for you. Imagine, they probably didn't think at first, like, wait a minute, how's it going to get better? Like, literally, I can call you. My back hurts. Like, hey, Jesus, can you come over here and just put your pinky on my back and, like, fix it all up, straighten it out? You know, or, hey, I just got a call you know, my dog just died and it got hit by a car. It's, it's looking pretty bad. They, they said it's dead. Could you come over and just, you know, lay hands on it? Or, or I have more faith than that. Could you just speak that my dog would be resurrected to life? I mean, imagine if Jesus was in the flesh with us, how we would think more about how we would interact with him. But that's what we have in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is with us. He's in every space that we go. I love there's a song called Holy Spirit, good title, and in the bridge of that song it says, let us become more aware of your presence. See, there's a lot of people that, that beg God kind of for his presence to come, and, and I, I just, but I think in actuality, it's not that there's an absence of his presence, there's more an absence of our awareness of his presence. The Bible says that he will not leave us or forsake us. God is with you. It's, it's a matter of are you paying attention? Just like I can be in the same room with Matthew and not say one word to him, not have any interaction with him. We're in the same space physically, but we're having no interaction. A lot of people live their Christian lives with the Holy Spirit in that way. They wake up every day, Jesus, take the wheel. Listen, Jesus can't take the wheel. He's in heaven. He'd have to have super long arms, <laughs> like go-go Inspector Gadget style, like but the Holy Spirit could take the wheel because the Holy Spirit's the one here with you. Does that make sense? So we need to be more aware of his presence and interact with him. So before we talk about who the Holy Spirit is, I want to give you some uh, examples and some, some bullet points of who the Holy Spirit definitely is not. Okay? Number one, he's not just the enthusiastic spirit. So if you walk into a church and everything is all rowdy and crazy and people are super psyched and they're enthusiastic, it doesn't mean the Holy Spirit's present. It just means they're super excited. Now, it can be that the Holy Spirit's presence is causing people to be enthusiastic and excited. That's definitely a byproduct that can happen. I mean, you start seeing Jesus, you know, you start seeing people get healed and and people get set free. Come on, enthusiasm is going to rise in the building. But that's not a sure mark or sign that the Holy Spirit's present. Also, he's not a noisy spirit. So it's not like when everything's get loud and rambunctious and it's all, you know, clamorous, well, that's surely the Holy Spirit must be moving in that place or must be present. It's not always true. Even God, does the Bible not tell us that it's not, it's not in the lightning and the thunder, but in that still small voice? I can tell you, most of the time, the Holy Spirit, the way he speaks to you will be in that nudging, that just that you sense that conviction or you sense that that. He's just speaking to you in that still, small voice. You just know that God's telling you, I just need to go talk to that person. I don't know why. He just, he's got, you know, he put him on my mind this morning. I just need to call him. Say, hey, the Holy Spirit just, you know, brought you to my mind and in my heart today. I just, I don't know why, but I just needed to call you. Is there anything I can 
do for you? Is there anything I can pray for you about? Or maybe you're at the supermarket. Do we even call it supermarkets anymore? Maybe you're at the grocery store. And, and you just see somebody in an aisle, and, and, and you just have that prompting that God wants you to go and, and just start a conversation. You know, that's the Holy Spirit just trying to lead you. He doesn't do it in a, get over there and, you know, talk to him. He's, he's not going to do that. Now, make no mistake, there will be a day, the Bible says, when, when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. God can make us do whatever he wants us to do, but that's not his, his, that's not his desire. His desire, just like we want our kids to desire it for any parents in here, we, he wants us to choose to want to walk with him, to choose to follow his leading, to submit to him, to be surrendered to him. He's also not the spirit of emotionalism. Listen, you walk into a church, you see a bunch of tears and a bunch of emotionalism. Listen, that doesn't always mean that the Holy Spirit is present. That just means people's emotions have been moved. They could have been moved by a, a very eloquent speaker. It's probably not going to happen here. I'm not that eloquent of a speaker. But, but, but you can be moved in your emotions when you're listening to music or watching a movie or something. But that doesn't mean that the, the Holy Spirit is present. Okay, it can be. I'll say this. If the Holy Spirit is present, I don't know much, but I don't think you could, if you have no response at all and you don't, you're not moved in any way, you know, you might be pretty dry. You might be some real dry wood in your spiritual life. Because the Holy Spirit, when he's present, it should speak to you. It doesn't mean you're going to have the same emotional response every time, not at all. There may be times when you just, you're so moved that you just, you know, cheer louder than Cowboys fans. <laughs> or Texans fans. Listen, you only got two teams, so I'm, I'm going to go for both, see what I get. Or maybe some of you are XFL fans, I don't know. But sometimes you're going to be moved in your emotions to where you're going to shout, you're going to be excited, you're going to just sing louder than you've ever sang, and you're going to lift your hands, you're going to clap, you're going to dance, all these demonstrative things. And other times, the Holy Spirit's present. And all, the only appropriate response is to lay on your face, to be prostrate and say nothing. Can I tell you this? I had a friend of mine I was talking to one time about the word reverence, because he grew up in a, in a denomination where they were taught that reverence is like, is this. It's just somber, and it's stoic, and that's being reverent. Well, can I tell you, that can be being reverent, but real reverence is having the appropriate response to God in the, in the right moment. And I'll give you an example of that. When King David started to dance, when they brought back the Ark of the Covenant, if, if King David's response would have just been this, he would have actually been irreverent in that moment because that moment warranted him dancing, right? It, it warranted him being more demonstrative. He was, he was responding to God in the way that God wanted. That's what true reverence is, responding to God in the way that he is pleased with. And even, you know, Michael, his wife, was like, you're being so irreverent. You're looking like a fool. What are you doing? And he said, no, I know my God wants me to dance right now. So think about that. The Holy Spirit will lead you and prompt you. He's also not a bizarre spirit. Now, this is a lot of people who've had experience or maybe you've watched some stuff on TV or you've, you know, in some of these different uh, revivals that we've had or different moves of God that... Um, you know, we've seen in years in our country, there's a lot of stuff that happens in those. And a lot of it gets 
uh, done in the name of the Holy Spirit. But a lot of it, can I just tell you, is people being people, right? People do crazy stuff, right? Have you ever done something crazy? None of you. Okay, well, other people do some crazy stuff. I mean, I've seen, I've seen teams win championships and then fans of that team in their city destroy their city as a, as a celebration. I don't, I don't get it. I mean, I can imagine if your team loses and you're a little angry that maybe there's a little more logical flow there. But, I mean, it, it happens. I was in Michigan uh, growing up, and, and I remember in Michigan State, the, the men's basketball team had won some big game. And, and literally, the, the campus... They're like flipping cars over and like setting mattresses on fire all in a celebration. I'm like, people do crazy stuff. Don't blame the Holy Spirit for people's crazy stuff. It wasn't his fault. Some people just don't know what to do when they, when they let their emotions take over. But the Holy Spirit's not bizarre. And I'll tell you this, to be cautious of, is that there's a couple of things you need to look for. Whenever someone is, is, is expressing, you know, based on the Holy Spirit's presence and they're demonstrating or they're doing something, you need to test the Spirit and test the fruit. That's one way that you can discern whether or not it's the Holy Spirit present or it's just them kind of acting in their flesh. And a lot of times, people in their flesh, you know, they, if, if, it's, if they're drawing attention to themselves and the attention and the glory and the praise is not being given to God... That might be a sign that the, the Holy Spirit's probably not in that, right? Because when the Holy Spirit's moving in people's lives and through people's lives, the glory still goes to God. People should see that. It's like the Bible says, people should see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven. So when the Holy Spirit is present, our attention should not be on one another. Our attention should be on him. That's a pretty good sign. Um, yeah, I won't, I won't keep belaboring that point. But he's not an add-on or an upgrade as well. So the Holy Spirit's not just, you know, an accessory that as we're in, walking in our Christian life, some days we're like, you know, I think I just need a little Holy Spirit today. And we just throw it on like we do a baseball cap or something, you know. And every other day of the week, we have nothing to do with the Holy Spirit. It's just I read my Bible and, you know, just go about my business. But the Holy Spirit should be someone that we're that we're seeking and spending time with each and every day. There was a book written a long time ago by a gentleman named Benny Hinn. Some of you may know him, may not know him. Uh, you may have different various thoughts about Benny Hinn and his ministry. I'm not concerned about that. All I care about is the title of his book was Good Morning, Holy Spirit. That's a great title of a book because it implies he had a heart to meet with the Holy Spirit each and every day to start his day. It would be a lot more good things happening if each and every one of us every day was seeking the Holy Spirit when we woke up in the morning, asking him to lead our day, to fill us fresh with his power, to, to empower us to, to live the life that he's called us to live. He's also not some spiritual force. This isn't Star Wars. Listen, I like Mandalorian like everybody else, but this isn't like Grogu trying to like, you know, get a piece of food to fly across the room. You know, we don't master you know, Jedi is trying to master this force. We don't master the Holy Spirit. How, the Holy Spirit needs to master us. It, we're not just using the Holy Spirit for what he can do or for some power or whatever. It's No, no. We need to be led by the Holy Spirit. We need to be mastered by him, following his leading, his promptings. Amen? And he's not an it. If you get nothing else from today, walk away 
understanding that the Holy Spirit is a person. He's the third person in the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. He is equal with Jesus, equal with the Father. This may be news to you, and that's okay. But he's not an it. And there's teaching out there where people think, well, I believe in God the Father, I believe in Jesus, his Son, and then the Holy Spirit's kind of like their energy. You know, he's kind of like their, their force, or he's their power. No, he's, he's every bit as much God, just like Jesus, just like the Father. Let's talk about that. The Holy Spirit exhibits characteristics of personhood. Number one, intelligence or intellect. Number two, will or volition. And number three, emotions. John 14, 16 through 17. We see six personal pronouns. And I will pray, excuse me, the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. See, all these, pers- these, these pronouns are describing the Holy Spirit for who he is. He's a person. Number one, the Holy Spirit has intelligence, 1 Corinthians 2, 10 through 11. But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the Spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit's not just omnipresent, he's omniscient, he's all-knowing. He's all-knowing. This is, this is great news. How many of you have been in, uh, in your job and, and you've come to a place where you're, you're trying to deal with a problem, you're trying to get an answer, you're trying to solve something that nobody else can solve, and you don't know where else to look? As a believer, you have someone to ask. It's called, his name is the Holy Spirit. Or he is the Holy Spirit. It's not his name necessarily. You don't have to get into all that. But you have the Holy Spirit as a resource. When the Bible says, to, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask, and God will give to him liberally without judging you, without condemning you for it. You can ask the Holy Spirit to give you the answer. I've talked to numerous people who have done just that in their jobs, and it's led to promotions. It's led to raises because the Holy Spirit gave them the answer, gave them the solution to something that nobody else in the company could figure out. You have that advantage in the world. That's a great thing, but you got to ask. Number two, the Holy Spirit has a will. 1 Corinthians 12, 11, Scripture says, But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. This is a great Scripture to remind us that we don't need to compare ourselves with each other. There shouldn't be any comparison in the body of Christ. The Holy Spirit knew what gifts to give me. He knows and knew what gifts to give you. And and the greatness is when we all get together and we're operating in those gifts that the Holy Spirit has given us, guess what? We have no lack. We have everything we need. This is exciting news. And this is also why it's so important to be committed to your spiritual family. Because if I'm not here, you're missing something. If you're not here, I'm missing something. Because God has called us to live in community and to live together. Number three, the Holy Spirit has emotions. You can vex, quench, or grieve the Holy Spirit, Ephesians 4.30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God but whom, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Listen, in your everyday relationships, can you not grieve people that you know? 
Can you not let them down? It's the same with the Holy Spirit. Here's how we do it. We let him down whenever we stop listening to him. Or when we just flat out ignore him. We don't spend any time with him. Or even worse, we spend time with him. He, he speaks to us and then we're just disobedient. That's how we grieve the Holy Spirit. When we don't pay attention to those, those inner promptings and those nudges. When he's trying to lead us into things. That's how we grieve the Holy Spirit. Spend time with him. Don't be one that grieves the Holy Spirit. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 13, 14, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Communion there means a partnership, a fellowship, an intimacy. Paul said that we can have a close relationship with the Holy Spirit. Let's talk about three Greek prepositions in the Bible as we're kind of wrapping up the communion of the Holy Spirit. Number one, this word para means with, to come alongside. See, the Holy Spirit is not trying to be distant from you. The Holy Spirit wants to be close to us. Matter of fact, it's the Holy Spirit that, like I said, fills us and lives inside of us. We don't want to distance ourselves from the Holy Spirit. John 16, 8, and when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. You, know, you may walk into a, a church and you sense there's, a, there's something different about the atmosphere. As believers, we know that's the presence of God. Or we hope in our church there's the presence of God that people can experience. But even before we know who the Holy Spirit is, we, we feel that conviction. You can't be in the presence of God and not be convicted of your sin. You can fight God and you can ignore God, but make no mistake, he will make you aware of your sin. Just his presence. Why? Because he's holy. And that's a good thing. Because his presence and the Holy Spirit convicting us just shows us our need for God, which should take us to a place where we acknowledge our need and admit that we want God and need God and turn to him. See, God doesn't just convict us of our sin just so we can know we're in sin. He shows us so that we'll recognize. I'll say it like this. You can't even really know Jesus. You can't even really know God or the Holy Spirit until you recognize your need for him. There's a lot of people living life, walking around. They just, they don't even think they need God. It's because they haven't realized the depth of their, of their sin yet. But the Holy Spirit, that's one of his main jobs is he convicts us. Not to condemn us. Jesus said, I didn't come to condemn the world. I came to save the world. But the only way I can save you is, is for you to understand that you need a Savior, that you have this distance between me and God. And the only one that can close that gap is Jesus. And the Holy Spirit speaks to that. The second word, epi, means upon. The word upon in the, this verse is the Greek word epi, which means upon or over. Think of it as an overflow because this is the experience that allows the Holy Spirit to flow forth out of our lives. See, the Holy Spirit isn't just given to us for ourselves. He also wants to not just work in our lives, but work through our lives. That's where you saw Jesus operating in the Holy Spirit. Could lay hands on people and they'd be healed. Right? It wasn't just for him and it's not just for us. The Holy Spirit should, should flow through us to bless other people around us. 
Acts 1.8 again. But you shall receive power. Say receive power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Why does the Holy Spirit empower us? So we can, like, shoot lightning out of our finger and, like, do some weird, bizarre, you know, Avengers-type stuff? No. He empowers us to, number one, live the life that God called us to live in godliness. And number two, I just lost my train of thought. Oh, to be empowered for ministry and to be a witness. He empowers us to live the life God's called us to and to be able to be a witness. And I love this, this word Samaria. I'm going to tell you, just like in those days, the Jews had nothing to do with Samaritans. But when the Holy Spirit came into their life, they received power, guess what, even to witness to the people that they formerly would have nothing to do with. Can I tell you, it's the same for us today. There's people that you're like, I just don't associate with. I don't want anything to do with them. Can I tell you, when the Holy Spirit gets moving in your life, guess what? Now you'll have a love and a desire to witness, to share the gospel with them. And you'll find yourself speaking to people that you formerly wouldn't have been able to speak to. Because now you're empowered by the Holy Spirit to witness. I'm getting excited. Number three, in. It means in. Living in us. This third kind of way of relationship the Holy Spirit has with us is living in us as Christians. Again, when we receive Christ, it is really the Holy Spirit that comes to live inside of us. And greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14 says, In whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. This is what makes Christianity different from every other religion. One of the ways is that we don't have to toil and toil and work to try and maybe please God or try and maybe live up to, to his expectations, to try and maybe get into a relationship with him. No, our God, the one true living God, comes to us. The Bible says in Romans 5, 8, that while we were dead in our sins, he came to us. The Holy Spirit wants to be in your life. He wants to live and dwell inside of you. But you got to invite him. He's not going to break down your door. He wants, he's waiting on an invitation. He says, I'll come. If you'll open the door, I'll come. I'll come and dwell with you. Acts 1, 4. Last scripture, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. This was Jesus telling his disciples, listen, I'm, I'm leaving. I'm going to go be at the right hand of the Father, and I want you to go and make disciples, right? So were his last words in Matthew. But he knew that they couldn't do it until they were empowered by the Holy Spirit. In the same way, you cannot, listen to me, you cannot live the Christian life successfully without the enablement and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. You can't overcome sin without the Holy Spirit. But here's the good news. You don't have to. All you've got to do is ask him to come and fill you. We may talk a little bit more about that in week two. We're going to talk about how the Holy Spirit actually does work in us and through us. We might get into a little bit of clarifying. You know, maybe you've heard this phrase, baptism in the Holy Spirit. That's, that's really what happens when you, get, when you make the decision. Some of you, I hope this morning, will make that decision 
to surrender your life to Christ. And in that moment, you're going to get a baptism of the Holy Spirit. He's going to seal that work. And you're going to walk out of here knowing you're a son or you're a daughter of God. You've been born again. But then there's also this phrase of, of being filled with the Spirit. That's a continual thing that we can ask and experience, that the Holy Spirit continues to come and just fill us up fresh. How many of you have ever had a phone and the battery just dies as you use it? Okay, I should have had every hand, unless you just literally don't have a phone. But in our Christian walk, you know, we're walking and, and we're doing what God's called us to do. And, 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 and our strength goes down. And, and, and as we give out, we just, you know, we get drained. But the Holy Spirit, if we will connect with him, will fill us back up. And I said this in the first service. It, it, it happens faster than Tesla can charge their cars. No offense, Kevin. But you don't have to. You can be filled again and again and be empowered to walk and live full of life and passion. I preached myself excited this morning. Are we good? I'm a little over on time. I'm sorry. Lord, I pray that all their meals will be hot when they get to the restaurant. I'm so excited about this series. I'm telling you, these three weeks can literally change, can change your your, your walk with God forever. If you will start to commune with the Holy Spirit, you know, even as you're reading your Bible, I'll just give you some practical things. When I open my Bible, say, Holy Spirit, would you just show me, show me in your word anything specifically for me today? And you'll get to that place where you'll hear people who've walked with God say, I used to read my Bible, now I think my Bible's reading me. That's what happens when the Holy Spirit is present. I could keep going. I'll wait till next week. Tell your friends, tell your neighbors, they need to come back for next week. It's going to get better and better and better. That's not even a word, but in all sincerity, would you just bow your heads? Close your eyes. Thank you for playing an exceptionally long time up here. Such a stud. Goes from drums to keys. He's got the Holy Spirit. That's how he can do it. But I want to be serious for a minute, and I'm not going to make this long. If you're in this room, you know if you're, number one, you know if you've got a relationship with Jesus Christ or not. You know if you've surrendered your heart to him or not. You know where you're at in life. You know if you're right with God or if you're not. And maybe you used to have a relationship with God, and you honestly have just kind of blown him off, and you just started living for yourself and doing your own thing. You know in your heart where you're at with God. And my prayer for you today is that you would not leave this place without getting things right. Maybe you need to recommit your life to Christ. Or maybe you want to commit your life to him for the first time. And you want to walk in this power of the Holy Spirit that he's enabled you. You're tired of living your life defeated. Or being drained or exhausted because you're trying to do everything in your own power. And today, you're excited because you're, you're realizing that you don't have to live that way anymore. That God's intention was always to empower you. So I want to lead you in a prayer. If, if that's you, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand on the count of three. If you want to give your life to Christ and you want to receive the Holy Spirit today, or if you want to resurrender your life and recommit your life, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand on the count of three. One, two, three. Raise it up high. No one's looking around. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you down front. Thank you for those hands. This is going to be the beginning of something so amazing. 
I'm just going to ask everybody just to repeat after me. Let's say this prayer. And if, and if you raise your hand, I want you to say this from your heart to God. To Heavenly Father, thank you for this day that you have given me. This moment where I've been reminded of what you've done for me. And Holy Spirit, how much you want to be in my life and lead me. I acknowledge today that I am a sinner, that my sins separate me from you, but I receive your gift of salvation, that you died on the cross, Jesus, to pay the price for those sins so that I could walk and be in a relationship with you. I ask you right now to be my Savior and to be my Lord. And I ask you, Holy Spirit, to lead me and guide me from this day forward for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you all.